0: we have a uh, powerful bible lesson this morning and uh i often use this expression get both feet in buckle your seat belt and hold on to your bonnet and uh i've got something very good to give you here today this is a a powerful bible lesson and uh i i don't say it because i'm teaching and i'm saying it because it is in the word of god and it has to do with the vision of, Eze- of Ezekiel, what Ezekiel saw. And uh, I just want to just remind you that last week we talked about how the Solomon fell into sin, and then Israel was divided into two nations instead of one, northern kingdom, southern kingdom. For northern kingdom called Israel, southern kingdom called Judah, even though they're all Israelites. This northern kingdom, because they had no righteous kings to lead them, fell into sin, it almost immediately became an abomination to God. God was displeased. And so finally, in 721 BC, he allowed the Assyrians to come over, conquered the northern kingdom, scattered the people all throughout the then known world, and put a lot of Gentiles also among those Christians. I mean, not Christians, but Jews. And they became what was known as the Samaritans. Uh, Later, 588 B.C., or let me back up, in 606 B.C., Judah, who had also begun to fall away from God, the Lord said, because of your sins, your transgressions, I am also going to have you go into captivity. Now, this captivity thing that the Lord allowed to happen had already been prophesied over in the the law books over in Deuteronomy and also in Ecclesiastes. uh, and uh numbers i think it was uh leviticus it was leviticus and deuteronomy and uh, it was prophesied over there that if they fell into sin and did wickedly god would allow them to be taken into captivity and so this was coming to pass nebuchadnezzar who was the king of the babylonians who had conquered the Assyrians by this time he came over and he conquered babylon but he was good to them not Babylon. he conquered israel but he was good to israel and he said to them, as long as you pay your taxes to me and you stay subject to my empire, he said, we'll let you exist and drop right along. He said, but I do want some choice young people. So he took 10,000 choice young people back to Babylon with him to cultivate them and to help make them to become helpers to him in his ruling of his empire. Uh, what I was Daniel. Another one was Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, the three, what is called the three Hebrew children who were later on in history thrown into the fiery furnace and survived. You know the story on that, of course. Uh, Ezekiel was another one. We talked to you about that last week. We talked a lot about Daniel. We often refer to Daniel and his prophecies because in Daniel's, whenever he was there for, in his first year. Uh he interpreted a vision for Nebuchadnezzar that would show the time of the Gentiles, that is, the Gentile empires that would be in effect one or another, after another, after another, and so forth. He was very much in it because Daniel was a direct descendant of David and he was in that lineage. He was in that royal lineage. Ezekiel, who was taken into captivity, was not taken to the palace, but he was put out in the country worked in the country areas and he was a son of a priest. He was a, of the priesthood. And of course his interest in what God would show to him had to do with God's presence and God's spirit as it had always been in Jerusalem in the temple between the cherubs and the holy of holies place. And the Lord said, I will, my, my greatest presence on the face of the earth will be right here in this spot. And it had been for 500 years there. Now, when Ezekiel was uh, a prophet over in Babylon, uh, which was um, a few hundred miles away from uh, from Israel, the Lord showed him a vision in the first chapter of the book of Ezekiel. And I'm not going to read anything in that chapter, just refer to it. But in that first chapter, he showed Ezekiel what was called the wheel in the middle of the wheel. Ezekiel one day had a vision, and he saw the heavens open up. And he saw this, these cherubs and he saw this vision and this throne and this fire. And the, uh, the Hebrew word for it is, is Merkava. Merkava means chair to fire and, throne, and fiery throne. And uh, so he saw all of this and it was just amazing. And then the Lord began to show, talk to Ezekiel about how he was going to use him to give messages to the children of Israel. Ezekiel at first didn't want to do it. He said these people won't hear me they're not interested or the lord said i don't care if they hear you're not you're going to be the guy that i'm going to send and so forth this goes on for several chapters here and i'm not going to get into all this chapter reading except the lord finally said to him ezekiel i'm going to uh uh do something here with you and he said to him he one in chapter five he picked up ezekiel in a vision and took him clear from Babylon, clear over, back over to Jerusalem. And he put him in that city of Jerusalem in the vision. And he began to show him things there. Now, here's what he began to reveal unto Ezekiel in this, like, 8th chapter. I'm reading 8.3 here. 8.3. I'll get to uh, my visuals here in a moment. Uh, a three put forth the form of a hand and took me by the lock of my head, the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heavens and brought me in the vision of God to Jerusalem. Now over in verse four, and behold the glory of God of Israel was there according to the vision that I saw in the plain. So he said, What I saw in the plain and that up in the heavens over Babylon, now in this vision I see it in Jerusalem. I see it in the Jerusalem. And then he goes on to say that the Lord begins to talk to him and said, Ezekiel, there's all kinds of abominations going on in Israel. Look at verse 6. He said, furthermore unto me, son of man, seest thou what they do, even the great abominations? Uh, On further on down in that verse, he goes on to say, uh, I shall go forth from my sanctuary, but turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. He's saying that there's so much sin in Jerusalem that I'm now going to deal with it in a harsher way than I've ever dealt with it before. Look at verse 13 in that same 8th chapter of Ezekiel. He said, unto, unto, uh, he said also unto me, turn thee yet again and thou shalt see greater abominations that they do. And then down in verse 15, and all of this was heathen worship that he was doing, idolatry. Verse 15, then said he unto me, hast thou seen this, O son of man, turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. It just kept getting worse and worse. So the Lord was showing him all of these abominable things that was happening in Israel, and he says, I am going to deal with that. Now, what the Lord did next is brought out in chapter 10, where the Lord shows Ezekiel that his spirit will leave that place. It will leave Jerusalem. I'm reading here from 10:3, 10:3 and four. Now the cherubim stood on the right side of the house when the man went in and the cloud filled the inner court. The inner court of the temple is what he's talking about. Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and stood over the threshold of the house and the house was filled with the cloud, and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. So what he's saying, God's presence was there in the temple. And then he moves on into verse, I'm just saving time here, jumping around verse 15. And the cherubims were lifted up. This is the living creature that I saw by the river of Chebar. In other words, this is the same vision that I saw over Babylon. I saw it over here. I see it over here. This is God's presence and God's glory. The thing that confused Ezekiel, when he saw the glory of God in Babylon, he said, what's God's glory doing over here in Babylon? This is not supposed to be here. It's supposed to be over the temple. And so God takes him a vision to the temple, says that the temple now is defiled because of the wickedness of everybody. And he starts showing him all these things and he said, this is the glory of God. Then verse 18, I'm still here in Ezekiel 10, 18. Then the glory of the Lord departed from off the threshold of the house. I'm jumping over here to verse 20. This is the living creature that I saw under the God of Israel by the river Chebar that's over in Babylon where he saw the vision to start with. And I knew that they were the cherubims. So he's saying here that I'm seeing the presence of God over here in the temple and I'm seeing it sort of in his glory. The same thing that I saw over there. So he's identifying what he saw in Babylon to be the glory of God that God showed him over in in, in Jerusalem, there in the temple. Now, things begin to happen. Look at verse 11 and verse 1 here in Ezekiel. Moreover, the Spirit lifted me up and brought me unto the east gate of the Lord's house, which looketh eastward. Okay, he brought him out of the temple eastward. And now I'm reading in verse 23 of that same Eleventh chapter, and the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood upon the mountain which is on the east side of the city, which is the that which is Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives is the mount on the east side of the city. Now, I'm going to show you some um, charts here and diagrams and so forth, just to sort of help us here to understand. Uh, Give me a a moment here. I've got some very good things to show you. And uh, this this is a map here of the city of Jerusalem. I know it looks a little confusing to you right now, but just hang on with me. Just stay with me here for a moment. This is called the city of David. This is the original Jerusalem that was conquered. After David became king, he also enclosed this area right in here, which is the Temple Mount. And then what I've got pointed here is the East Gate, but he had, this was called the Temple Mount. And this was included in this. Later on, uh, the city expanded and it was enclosed. Now this area right in here, this is pointing to it, this area right in here, is called the old city of jerusalem this right in here called the old city and this one part of this is called the the uh, part of the called the armenian quarters the jewish quarters the christian quarters and the muslim quarters and this is the way it is today if you went there that's what you would find this temple mount is still here now what you would find here is the dome of the rock that is right here shown in this chart here and uh This is the way it would be if you were to go there to this day. Uh, This is the Valley of Kidron right in here. The Valley of Kidron runs right in through here. It's a low area. It's at the edge of this wall. It goes down. And you see this spot right here? You see right where that arrow is pointing? That is called the the Church of All Nations. I'm going to show you a picture of it in a minute. Church of All Nations. It is directly east across this little short valley here over here to the east gate. Now, I'm showing you all of that because this is the way that it is to this day. Now, I'm gonna also show you here uh, how that would look if you were to look at it. This is sort of the uh, dome of the rock. This is that outer enclosure. This is the way it was 100 years ago when they the Muslims first took it and began to build. But they built that, as you can see, excuse me, as you can see, here's the east gate over here. Now, I'm showing you this to show you the way that it was. Now, whenever that temple, the Lord showed Ezekiel the temple, and he took him over and showed him the temple, it was Solomon's temple. Now, Solomon's temple was destroyed, and this was what Solomon's temple looked like but this is the way the Temple Mount looked like in Jesus's time with Herod's temple. And, of course, here again, here's the East Gate. And here is that Temple of Solomon. This is the court of Israel, the court of the women. And then this is the court of the Gentiles out all around about out here. Oh, no Gentiles would go beyond that. And this was called the East Gate. Now, I'm giving you this picture here because what Ezekiel saw, not with Herod's temple, but with Solomon's Temple in place. He saw the Lord up and leave that place. He saw it come to the east gate. And then finally, it says here in Ezekiel 23, it says, and the glory of the Lord went up. I'm looking here at chapter 11 and verse 23. And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood upon the Mount of Olives which is over on the other side, the east side. Now, let me fold this one up. This is all about the temple. And he said, and this is over here on the east side. This is the Mount of Olives right here. All of this is the Mount of Olives. This area is the Mount of Olives, and it's over here on the east side. This Valley of Kidron is right in down and through here. So what happened was that the Lord left this temple, came through the east gate, And then finally it was over on the Mount of Olives. In other words, God was leaving the temple. Everybody get that picture? And the reason that he showed Ezekiel that he was leaving the temple and that what he saw over there in Babylon was his glory and his power is because he had left the temple. The reason because the temple had been disgraced, defiled, the wickedness of men, uh, even the priesthood had become very dishonorable toward God, and God says, "I'm all through with it. I'm fixing to do something very drastic." And what God did was that He sent judgment upon that city, and upon upon that temple and everything. Uh, I want you to look with me, if you would, and uh, look with me in uh, Ezekiel five eleven. Ezekiel, you're in Ezekiel there. Go back to five eleven for just a moment. Let me show you this. This is something that God pointed out earlier on when he was showing Ezekiel all these things. I'm just going to read this one verse, 511. Wherefore, as I live, saith the Lord God, surely because thou hast defiled my sanctuary, that's the temple, with all thy detestable things and with all thine abominations, therefore will I also diminish thee. Neither shall mine eye spare thee, spared. neither will I have any pity. And the Lord says, because of what you've done, I am now going to do some drastic things. Now, I'm going to show you in history what actually happened. And this all happened in the year 588 B.C. In other words, Daniel was captured and Ezekiel captured in 606 B.C. So this is like 18 years later now. Uh, what happened was that Nebuchadnezzar got mad at the king of Israel because he did not pay his taxes like he told him to. So he sent an army back over there. He did it twice. He once, once in in 899, uh, uh, 899, and then he said, I mean, uh, pardon me, 599. And then he went back and he said, now pay your taxes. He took the guy off the throne, put his brother on the throne. said, you pay taxes. Okay, I will. And then some years later, a few years, about seven or eight years later, Finally, the other brother didn't do the same thing. He did the same thing. So Nebuchadnezzar went back again the third time, 588 B.C. And this time he had no compassion, no mercy. Now, I'm reading here in uh, the book of uh, 2 Thessalonians because this is where it describes what happened in history. This is historical what I'm reading to you. Everybody with me? This is real important. Look with you, if you will, please, in second Chronicles chapter thirty six and verse seventeen. This is almost the end of this book of Second Chronicles. And you have first and second Samuel, first and second King, first and second Chronicles. Those are historical history books. This is the end of it all. Therefore he brought upon them the king of the Chaldees, which was Nebuchadnezzar, who slew their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary. And had no compassion upon young man or maiden, old man or him that stooped for age. He gave them all into his hand. Jump down to verse 19. And they burnt the house of God, and broke down the wall of Jerusalem, and burnt all the palaces wherewith whereof with fire and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. And turned them that had escaped from the sword, carried they he awake to babylon where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the king of persia now what happened then for the next 70 years and the bible goes on to say here verse 21 to fulfill the word of the lord by the mouth of jeremiah until the land had had enjoyed her sabbath the land for as long as they lay desolate she kept sabbath to fulfill three score and 10 years which is 70 years i'm just going to say this for what it's worth The Lord had told Israel, every seven years, let the land rest. You farm it for six years, and the seventh year, don't farm it at all. Don't plant anything, don't harvest it. You can harvest whatever is there, but don't plant anything. Let the land rest, seventh year. I'll give you enough food in six years, especially the sixth year, that you won't have to do the seventh year. But after a while, they got greedy. And they said, why let the land sit there for another year when we could get more food and so forth? So they started doing it, and they kept on doing that, and they... They went against the word of God. So when God said, I'm going to destroy uh, the temple and so forth, I'm going to let it rest for 70 years. It was because the 70 years would make up uh, the, the uh, seven years of rest, uh, seven, 10 times seven. Seven is what it was, 70 years. So I'm just pointing that out, and that's brought out in the word of God. I'll just leave that for what it's worth. But the land, the temple was destroyed. It was all over with and so forth, and it was not to be, and this is where Daniel finished out his life in, in uh, 536, 50,000 of those Jews were allowed by the Persian king, Cyrus, to go back and rebuild their temple. And they went back, and they started building, they built a temple, and it was built by a leader by the name of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was a direct descendant of David, he was also a direct forefather of both Joseph and Mary, who would be the the mother of Jesus Zerubbabel and it was called Zerubbabel's temple and so forth. And it stayed that way right on until the coming of Jesus Christ. So I'm just pointing out to you here how that the Lord allowed this temple to be, uh, to be destroyed and so forth. Now I've got a little simple lesson I want to give you here and and stay with me on this. I want you to go to first Corinthians chapter three for a moment. This is now, how does this apply to us? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and look at 16. Now, this is Paul writing to the church, and he's reminding them of something. I uh, used to quote this years ago, and I thought it was in the Bible. I heard it so much, I guess I just assumed it was. God will not dwell in an unclean temple. How many of you have heard that?
1: All right, a lot of hands.
0: I went looking for that in the Bible one day, God will not dwell in unclean temple. I never found it. I never found that verse or scripture in the Bible. As far as, I, as, far as I'm concerned, it's not in the Bible. But here's what I did find. This is very sobering. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God. And this is what Paul was telling the church. There is no temple today. You are the temple of God. You're the temple of God. There's no temple in Jerusalem. Ye are the temple of God. And that spirit of God dwelleth in you. So God's spirit that was in the temple back in the Old Testament is now in us, in the church. Not the building, but the people. The spirit of God is called the Holy Ghost. Now look at verse 17. This is very sobering. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. Ah, wow. Man, that's sobering, isn't it? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So what God is saying, he's just not going to undwell, he's not going to dwell in unclean temple. He will destroy a temple that will defile themselves. This is why, folks, living for God is very important. I'm giving you scripture, I'll give you another one in just a moment but we've got to serve God with all of our heart. We can't play around with the Lord. When God puts his spirit on us, this is why the blaspheming of the Holy Ghost is such an unpardonable sin because God, God puts his lowest level of his existence, his spirit in us, man, sinful man. He, He has died on Calvary, he shed his blood, And we repent and ask God to to forgive us of our sins and give us his spirit and he gives us the spirit of God. The spirit of God will keep you clean, it will keep you holy, it will keep you righteous. It'll cause you to love the things he once hated and even hate the things he once loved in the world and sin and all that. God has put that spirit in us. And we can't just be flippant with God. We gotta live holy, righteous, be faithful to God, walk with the Lord, and that god requires that of us now this is a very sober note here because this is all based on the fact that in that old testament when men defile the temple the temple was destroyed i'm going to give you some other scriptures here in a moment to do with some other things but this one here i want you to pay pay note here i'm gonna give you one other scripture here concerning that same simple thought this is one found in first peter uh, 4 17. For the time has come the judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So the time will come in which the Lord says it's time to wrap it all up, and He wants you and I to be holy, pure, and perfect, and the Lord's gonna sound the, 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 the angel sound the trumpet. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. You don't want to be left behind. You don't want to be left behind. You want to go in the rapture. Now, how do I do that, Brother Meyer? But you have the Spirit of God in you. Have the Holy Ghost in you. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, get the Holy Ghost, receive it. Ask God to give it to you. He will. And then live a good, clean life. The Bible gives us how to live. That's what the epistles are all about. Romans, First Corinthians... 2 Corinthians, you know, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, all of them, they all tell us how to live, how to walk with God, how to serve the Lord. And if we'll be faithful to the Lord, God will honor us, and one day we'll be called up to meet the Lord in the air. In the meantime, the Bible says, occupy till he comes. Keep on living right, keep on serving the Lord, keep on being good, be a good neighbor to your neighbors, be a good friend, help people to be saved. You know, do what you can for the kingdom of God. That's our calling. And God will honor us and bless us here in this life as we walk with the Lord and all these kind of things. Praise the Lord. So the Lord, praise the Lord, uh, has said. Now, here's an interesting verse. I want you to go back to uh, Ezekiel 43. Now listen to me closely on this. Ezekiel 43, I've got something real good here to give you. Uh, let me find it here. There we go. All right. Look at Ezekiel forty-three. Afterwards, he brought me to the gate. We talk about that eastern gate now. Even the gate that looked towards the east. Verse two. I'm in Ezekiel forty-three two. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. And his voice was like a noise of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. And verse 4, and the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate, whose prospect is toward the east. Now notice that. Just as Ezekiel saw the presence of God go out, now in a later vision, we're way over here from verse 10 go over here now in verse 43, way over in Ezekiel, he's looking at a later time and he says, I see the glory of God now coming through the eastern gate, coming back into the temple. This is what he, he foresees there. I'm going to give you a scripture in Psalms that repeats, that says it. Many of you are familiar with it. Psalms 24 7. Psalms 24 7. Praise God. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Now, David prophesied this a thousand years before Christ. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this? Lord, this King of glory, the Lord. Notice the word Lord is all capital letters, meaning that it refers to Jehovah God. It refers to the great I am, the one that appeared unto Moses. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory, Selah. So I'm giving you here, not only was it prophesied of David in Psalms, but it's also spoken of Ezekiel that the Lord would come through the Eastern gate. Praise the Lord and it would be a great and wonderful time. Praise the Lord. Now, let me show you where it happened. Everybody ready for it? You go to St. John 12. St. John 12. Boy, I've got some good stuff here for you. Hang on with me. John 12, 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany. Bethany. Now, Bethany is on the east side. Is out here, east side of Mount Olives. Bethany is on this road to Jericho here, along in here someplace. He came to Bethany. I have been through there traveling, so I can vouch that it's really there, even though I can't show you on the map. That it's here. And Jesus came up this way and came to Bethany. And now he was just outside of that Mount of Olives. He'd go through the Mount of Olives and then go in. The only way you can go through is go in through here and going through the East Gate that way. This is, uh, like I say, is a, is a map showing you that. And uh, now I'll give you a picture here in a moment. And uh, it goes on to say here, let me read this Psalms here. I mean this uh, John twelve twelve. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees, and went forth to meet him, and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, set thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh sitting on a donkey's coat. Now what the Lord did was to come through Bethany, from the Mount of Olives, followed this road that went down into this valley and came through that eastern gate into the city by way of coming through the temple. And Jesus went into the temple. That's, or if you recall other scriptures in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they talk about him going in and cleansing the temple. Remember that says you have made it a den of thieves. My father's house should be called a house of prayer and you have made it a den of thieves. He turned over the money changers said, get this stuff out of here. Get all these animals that you're selling here, get them out of here. You know, this is not where you bring it to just make merchandise of these things. And so the Lord rebuked them for what they were doing, made all the Pharisees and Sadducees all mad. So I'm just pointing out to you, all this happened just before the Passover in which Jesus would be crucified. This was like five days before. So I'm just trying to say here, Jesus came in, they had palm leaves and they threw their coats in the way and they said, our King comes, our King. And Jesus went in and went into the temple and so forth. Uh, Just, just a few, just within a week later, Jesus was crucified and rose again on Sunday. And then he was found on earth for 40 days on this earth and appeared here and there and so forth and then he went out. Now, I'm gonna give you another verse of scripture here. I want you to look at Acts one, when Jesus ascended into heaven after his resurrection. Everybody stay with me? I want you to go to Acts here with me for a moment. Look at chapter one, Acts chapter one, verse nine. I'm just jumping here to save time. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, angels, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heavens? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. In other words, as you see him go up, verse 12, then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet. They were on Mount Olives when this happened. So while they're on Mount Olives, Jesus went up and the angel says, as you see him go up, he's gonna so come again in like manner. Really, Brother Byron, is that really gonna happen? I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) (laughs) Go to Zechariah 14 with me for a moment. Zechariah 14, praise the Lord. I'll tell you what, before you go to Zechariah, let me have you go to Ezekiel 44, Ezekiel 44. Look at 44 1. Ezekiel 44 1. Then he brought me back the way of the gate of the sanctuary which looketh toward the east, and it was shut. Everybody say shut. That door was shut. Then said the Lord unto me, This gate shall be shut, it shall not be opened, and no man shall enter in by it, because the Lord The God of Israel hath entered in by it, therefore it shall be shut. This is a prophecy. The Lord entered that gate. Jesus entered that gate. And he says that gate shall be shut. Uh, Brother Myers, uh, is that really true? I'll let you determine that. Here's a picture of it. This is the way it looks today if you were to go there. This is the Dome of the Rock over here. This is where the temple did sit. It was destroyed. And in 600, they built a Muslim thing there. And then finally, each, each along the way, they started improving it and increasing it. Now it's called the Dome of the Rock. It's where Mohammed is supposed to have gone to heaven and got his vision from from the angel and all that stuff and came back. So it's the third holiest place in the Muslim world. Uh, Mecca, Medina, and Jerusalem right here in Dome of the Rock. Now, look at the gate. Here's what we're talking about. Look at this gate. This is the eastern gate, and it's sealed up, and it has been sealed for nearly 2,000 years since Jesus went through it. Now, I know that the, 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 this temple was destroyed the, the, that was there at that time. They tore down the wall, and they rebuilt it and so forth, but the gate, they reestablished it. And it's been sealed. And here, over here in Ezekiel 44, it says the, God, the door shall be shut. Nobody's gonna open it. And uh, I, uh, you know, I showed you a picture last week of our, one of our groups standing there, in this very spot right here. This is a Jewish graveyard here. You see all these over here? These are graves. They're Muslim graves. You know why the Muslims have a graveyard there? Because they know that the word of God teaches two things. One is that their Messiah is going to come through that eastern gate. Number two, the Jews do not believe in putting a road or pathway through a cemetery of any kind. They respect the dead in that respect. They know that. So they put a Muslim cemetery there so that the Jews will never put a road through there. So what they're doing, they're using one scripture to counteract another. You can't come through here because the graveyard's here, right? Jews have to say, yes, that's right. And your word also says your Messiah's going to come through here. How can he come through here when there's a graveyard there? You see what I'm talking about? And folks, it stood that way for, for 2,000 years. That gate is shut. And the word says it would be. Whew. the wisdom of God and the greatness of God is is just staggering sometimes. Praise the Lord. Now, go to Zechariah 14. (laughs) I love this. Praise God. Let me see if I can find it. Zechariah 14. Verse 14, 3. This is when the Lord comes back now. This is when he comes back at Armageddon. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations. This is Armageddon, when he ought, when he fought in the day of battle. Verse four, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, toward the east and toward the west. That means the split will be in that direction. And there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. You understand, those angels says, as you see Jesus go away, so shall he come in like manner. When he comes back, folks, at Armageddon, his feet will come down and touch on the Mount of Olives. When he comes back for his church, we meet him in the air. You notice the difference. We rise to meet him in the air. The Lord never touches the earth. He comes in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then following the tribulation period, which is about seven, 10, 12, 14 years, nobody really knows the length of it, the Lord will come back. And this time he will touch, come to the earth, and his feet will come right back where he ascended into heaven on the Mount of Olives. Right there where if you were, if you were standing here, you'd be standing right here, right where this pen is, right here. Can you see it? Well, not hardly, can you? Well, there it is. I guess. Oh, well. Anyhow, he, he'll come right back there. His, this is what it says. Let me finish reading. I know my time's getting away, and I don't want to I, I finish up here. It says here, half the mountain shall move to the north, half to the south. Verse 5, and you shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. Yea, you shall flee like you fled from the earthquake of the days of Uzziah, <laughs> excuse me king of judah and the lord my god shall come and all the saints with thee everybody see that look at uh jude uh that's the next uh, next book of revelation jude verse 14 give me jude 14 just one chapter there's only one verse one chapter jude 14 uh There it is. And Enoch also, the seventh of Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. And this is when he comes back with us. We, he comes back for us at rapture, and then he comes back with us at Armageddon. Now, I'm going back over here to Zechariah chapter 14. I apologize to our people up here that have to try to keep up with me. Verse 9 of Zechariah 14. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day shall there be no, There be one Lord and his name one. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Verse 11, and men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. I'm trying to show you here, folks, that it's in prophecy now. I'm going back for just a moment here, and I'm going to wrap this up. I showed you this while ago. This is the eastern gate. It's sealed up. Right over here across this valley, a little small valley, is a church called the uh, the Church of All Nations. This is what the Church of All Nations looks like. And I was looking at another chart, I won't get into all these charts, right? But it's directly east. It faces that gate, it's straight across. And here's what's amazing about it, is if you look at this picture and you can't see it there, there's a statue. There's a statue here. There's a little statue there, there's a statue here, and there's a statue here. Now, these four statues here are statues of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're standing here like this with a scroll open up all in concrete or or marble, whatever it is. And they're pointing to, to the eastern gate, a scripture. And here's a picture of it up close. Now this is only this. This is sort of on the left side. So what you have is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John. I couldn't get in the picture, but I did this to see. This is a shadow, of course, but the statue is right here. Can you see that better? And they're they're holding. See that they're holding this book out like this, looking straight across to the eastern gate. And I asked one of our guides, a lady. I said, Jewish lady. I said, What does those scriptures say? She says, I don't know. Do you? I said, yes. I said, one is in Matthew 24, one is in Luke 21, one is in Mark 13, and one is in John 14. I don't know what the scripture is, the the verse, but I can tell you what chapter they're in. And she said, I'll find out. And she came back and says, you were right about every chapter. But, and then she told me what the scriptures were. And of course I knew what the scriptures were if I took my Bible and looked at it, but I just couldn't remember what it was. And I'm going to just give you here what it says here in Matthew, for instance. Matthew 24. Uh, let's see if I can find it. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That's the one found in Matthew. Here's what it says in Mark. And then shall they see the Son of Man this is in Mark. I won't give you the verse, but then sh- this is verse 26, um, 13, 26. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Then in Luke 21 and verse 27, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Almost a very identical words. This is John's writings. And John says here in the 14th chapter, uh, in verse 2, in my father's house of many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 3, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So what I'm just trying to say to you folks here is that people, I mean, other people say this Jesus is coming back. And listen, we as the church don't let anyone ever tell you the Lord's not coming back. I'm telling you, he's coming back for a people that's looking for his appearing and the Lord is coming back. I don't know when. Nobody knows the day or the hour. Nobody even knows the year. But I'm just telling you that one day the Lord's going to come. And here's a testimony from 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 a from a spot over there. The gate sealed. That's that's in the Bible. And here's a, a here's a a church that's pointing up to that gate. And say, that gate's going to open up, and the Lord's going to come through that gate. And then Zachariah said that that mountain will split open and he'll walk through that gate and the waters will come out, healing waters will come out out from under Jerusalem and so forth. I'm just telling you all of that to tell you, praise the Lord, how wonderful it is to know that the word of God is right on target. It never fails. It never diminishes. You can believe it with all of your heart. And folks, today with all of the stuff that goes on and all this weird teaching that they've got in uh, they're trying to even make some of it now to be real people from outer space and creatures from out there. they got all kind of stories and things that uh, the kids, they're teaching kids all kind of stuff. And and uh, now I understand one of the people is running for president. If he ever, if he gets to be president, I think is the one that's Bloomberg in New York, New York. He's going to quit doing things that's going to make our earth go belly up because we're, we're just burning too much fossil fuel and and you can't drill for oil anymore and we just have to be primitive and, and because we're destroying the earth if, let me tell you something the earth is going to stay like it is till the lord says it's over and when the lord says it's over it's over not till then